Uh, it's good to be back with you guys. I've been gone for two weeks. Uh, anybody miss me? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Make me feel good. Uh, lie if you have to. It's cool. Um, I was in Phoenix, Arizona for a week at a pastor's conference with some of the staff. It was really cool. It wasn't cool. It was really hot. It was terribly hot. Anybody from Phoenix or ever lived there? The question I have for you is why? It's not fun. It was like 112 degrees one of the days we were there. You walk out of the hotel, literally felt like taking cookies out of the oven and just sticking your head in there. Ah, it was so hot and dry. It was, anyways, it was a good place to visit but not to live. But uh, we had a really good pastor's conference. The conference was for our Foursquare denomination that we're a part of. And there was over 3,000 pastors and leaders there. And it was really good just like, I don't know, God was just downloading stuff and just encouraging and inspiring and teaching us stuff so that we could come back and be that much more of a blessing to the church. And so that was really good. And then I had brought my family with me because um, I figured we go away on a trip. Sometimes we neglect our kids. I wanted them to come. So then we took a minivan. We rented actually a, it was like a SUV and we drove like six hours from Phoenix down to Huntington Beach for the next week, week. And I got to hang out with my wife and kids and see all my wife's family was up there. And um, we did Disneyland. Anyone Disneyland fans? Come on, Disney. Uh, they just raised the price. Thanks a lot, Disney. Uh, Disneyland is so expensive right now, but it's so worth it, yeah, because the kids, it's just like literally the happiest place on earth, right? The kids are just, yeah, Disney, you know? Everything is cool at Disney. You notice you go to other theme parks and stuff, and they have good rides, but they don't have like the good themes and the costumes and the food. Everything about Disney is cool, except it costs a lot of money, but we had a good time there. We went to the beach. We did just hung out at the pool. Lots of good stuff, and I want to just say this as a side note especially on Dad's Day. You know, the Bible talks a lot about, in the Word of God, about uh, leaders in the church, uh, deacons, elders, overseers, pastors, people that minister to God's people and all that. It says that's good and you should do a good job, but one of the qualifiers of that is that you should remember your first ministry is to your wife and your kids, to your family. The very first ministry that God has given all of us is our family. And so that's why I took that time to go away and to hang out with the fam and love on the fam and you know, it's good to go and, and travel and do all this stuff. And I love you guys as a church, but my family is my first ministry. So remember, Father's Day, remember to make some time for your family, your wife and your kids. Show them how, how much you love them. God calls that of every man, not just some of us that are trying to step up, but every one of us. Amen? Amen. Guys, we need to do that. We need to love on our kids and our family and, and raise them upright. So I had a really good time. Um, but I got to tell you that as we're in your inner Bibles right now, if you guys would take your Bibles out, I'm going to talk about convention that I was at real quick, briefly. But if you guys take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be starting in verse 12 today. Take out your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, nook and cranny, whatever you got. Take it out, turn it to the version Bible or whatever you use. But we're going to jump in there. But as we're, as we're turning there, the title of this sermon is called We Are Connected. And here's what I, I experienced at the convention. I experienced uh, worship with 3,000 other pastors and leaders, and that was amazing. That's an amazing feeling. You guys ever been to big concerts, you know, and everybody gets fired up, and we're all singing along with the lighters, you know, and we're all doing, uh, you know, regular rock concerts. It's so much more incredible when you're all there with the same heart, mind, vision, everything to worship God, right? And it wasn't just with, like, normal church people who Basically, some of them there, they're fired up. Some of us were new to it, so we're kind of like not really sure how much we want to get into it or we don't know the words yet or whatever. What was happening at this time of worship and every day that we had this in this convention 
was these are pastors and leaders. So these are people that have a long, intimate walk with the Lord, so they know what it's all about. You don't need to encourage them to get into worship. As soon as, like, the first strum of guitar, vroom, we're just like this, yeah, God, you know, we're ready to go. So this sets a whole different tone when you go to a place where everybody is there instantly seeking. And you know who our worship leader was in the flesh? Matt Redman. You know, any of you guys heard of Matt Redman before? He sings that one famous song, I'm Coming Back to the Heart of Worship. I'm not going to sing it. I tried to sing it at the other services. People laughed at me, so I'm not singing it here, okay? So take that. (laughs) Not going to do it. Sorry. You're going to have to roll up to my house when I'm taking a shower. That's when you'll hear it. But he sings that song, So, but he's an awesome, gifted worship leader. And here's what I was feeling, is that we were sitting in the back of this room full of over 3,000 people, and we're like the Hawaii crew from Hope Chapel, right? So we roll in on Hawaii time. So we get the seats in the back. That's what that means, right? So we're in the back in the bleachers, and you see all these people, but we're worshiping. And Matt Redman is going, and you're just like, yeah. And we're singing to God and all these people, and you just look, and you just really feel the presence of God. You feel like his spirit there. And we're just so excited. I'm feeling like, man, this isn't just about my relationship with God. I'm a part of all of these people who are my fellow pastors and leaders, and this is cool. And Matt's up there on stage, and, and technically, really, oh, he's my boy. He's my brother. Why? Because we got the same dad. And so we're brothers, and I'm like, yeah, Matt, go. You worship those songs, right? And I'm singing, and we're like, oh, this is good. And then you start feeling like my mind starts going, how many people out there around the world that are Christians that you belong to? Carl, this is a tiny glimpse, 3,000 people. That's nothing. Think about all of the millions upon millions of Christians that are out there, and you're a part of that. And you just start feeling like overwhelmed with, this is family, man. We're, We're a part of something that's big. And you know when God tells us to go change the world? We actually can because there's a lot of us. And when we get fired up and we get energized by the Holy Spirit, we can do some damage for the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. Amen? So I'm feeling that. I'm like, yeah, we're an army. You know, we're a force. And then I start thinking, though, that my next thought was, well, what part do I play in it? Because I'm not just here along for the ride to sing some songs, but I got a job to do. Every one of those people in that room and all the people I'm thinking of around the world, we better be doing our part to do something with this mass of people that God has given us a vision and he's given us a purpose for living our lives is to bring other people into the family of God. Amen? Amen. We got to realize that. And then we, when we just kind of realize we're connected. And what we're talking about in scripture today is Paul is reminding us that we're all very different, but we're all serving in the same body, the same family, the same community. All of us as Christians, the universal church of Jesus Christ, as well as our local church right here, Hope Chapel Kanye Bay. We're in this thing together. And last week you heard from Pastor Rob McWilliams. You guys remember Pastor Rob speaking last week? Can you guys uh, thank Pastor Rob? He did a good job. I, I saw and I heard. Let him know. You know what? I can just tell you this. If your pastors do a good job, your worship leaders do a good job, anybody around you, use a gift of encouragement and just encourage them. Let them know. You know, especially the guys that don't speak all the time. It's like real nerve wracking for them to get up there and to, I hope that was okay. Let them know that you were blessed, right? That's, that's part of what we're talking about today is being family, being connected, is really caring for one another. So Pastor Rob shared last week about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts. You guys remember that? And he talked about all the different ones and why it's important for us to realize that we all have different gifts and we're all different and that we should discover what we have and that we should use them. And today, we're going to talk more about that. But really, the focus that Paul's taking in the next few verses to the Corinthian church way back then, several thousand years ago, but also to all Christians everywhere in every day and age applicable to us today is know that you're different, know that you have different gifts, but remember 
that it's, the gifts are not there to make you feel cool for you privately, like, like you know, Spider-Man, like, I can stick to walls now. Look how cool I am, right? But it's the, the message of Spider-Man is, with the great power comes a great responsibility, right? And the, the Holy Spirit is saying, I gave everybody gifts, and they're all different, but they're to be used on one another to edify, to strengthen, to build up the entire body of Christ, right? They're not just for you to go, wow, it's, it's neat that I have the power to heal people. You know, God has given me this spiritual gift of healing. That's cool, but do you realize that it's not for you to just have the only way you know that you have it is when you give it away and you pray for healing on other people. And so what we're talking about today is all these gifts are good, but we got to remember we're all part of one purpose, one body, and we got to use them together. And so let's, let's dig in a little bit into scripture here today, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. And I want you guys to look at your notes that come in the bulletin. We print them for a reason. They're not there just to look at and tend to recycle, but they're actually there for you guys to help own the message that God is trying to speak to you. Because if you go and you hear something, you guys know this from school, you go and you sit and you hear, you retain this much of it as you walk out of the classroom, right? You may have heard a whole lesson on this much, and all you heard was a tiny fraction. That's all that you kept with you. But if you're forced to do homework or to write about it or to take action on it, you retain that much more. And then when you go to mini church even further, and you get to talk about it, and you get to share about how God did stuff in your life, then you're really owning and retaining more of the message. And our goal here at Hope Chapel is to equip you to get you the most of the message so that God is really moving in your life. Is that okay? So that's why we provide the notes. So take the notes out or take notes on your iPad or in your Bible or whatever, but let it really sink into you, the message, so that you can go and walk it out with victory this week. So the first um, thing in the notes right there says our powerful connection. And Paul is reminding us how powerful it is that we are all part of the same community, the same body, the same family. He says this, he compares it to a human body. There's so many times in scripture where I'm so thankful that we don't just have some crazy book, some Bible that's full of all kind of weird symbolic poetry and we are left to our own devices to try to figure it out. I'm so thankful for guys like Paul that say, you know what, the body of Christ, what does that mean? And Paul goes, let's compare it to a human body. And you go, oh, I get it now, right? And Jesus himself, he used parables and illustrations to say, you know, the mysteries of the kingdom of God are mysterious, but let's break it down into normal terms. And my whole job, the whole reason that I'm a pastor is it so that I can take the word of God and I can make it relevant and applicable to you guys. That's my whole goal is that you would walk away going, I understand scripture and Carl had a little bit to do with helping that happen, right? And so here's what he says right now, Paul, making it easy for us. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Oh, I get it, Paul. Thanks for telling me that, right? This is how he's trying to compare it to. He says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. He's basically saying, you're all different. Some are slaves, some are free. You know, some of you guys are Japanese. Some of you guys are, are Mexican. Some of you guys are, is that, that's not even proper, right? What is it? Uh, Hispanic, Latin American, Latinos. Or, see, it, things got complicated, didn't they? We used to just call people by their colors and stuff. Now we've got to be real careful. But whatever God is saying this is that we're all different. We look different. We all come from different backgrounds. Some of us get paid very well. Some of us get paid little. Some of us aren't getting paid at all right now, right? Some of us have big families. Some of us have no families. We all come from different walks of life. But here's the main thing Paul is saying is, but you're all one body. Act like it. Live like family. 
Love one another like family because you're, you're inescapably connected to one another through your rebirth in Jesus Christ. And this is what he's trying to say, is you've all been initiated and baptized into the same spirit. When we become Christians, this is what you gotta know, is when you became a Christian, when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and he said, I wanna do things your way, God. Speak into my life, help me. I, I'm now in a relationship with you. Well, you, weren't just, you didn't just jump into a relationship with God, you actually jumped into a relationship with all of God's kids and all of God's family. And that should actually do something for you. That should excite you. That should encourage you. That should make you feel accepted and loved and like, you know what? I may not know all the people in this room right now, but basically, that's my family. I'm gonna be with them for all of eternity. And I would hope that if I'm going through a rough time, even if I don't know someone in here, I could go to someone and say, hey, can, can you help me out on this thing? And that we'd be able to say, that's right, because we're connected. We're a body, we're a family, we're a gang, right? We look out for each other, we stick together. And this is the, the point that Paul is trying to make, like right here, we need to remember to live like this. Yes, you have many different spiritual gifts and everybody is kind of different, but you are still inescapably connected to one another, just like the redwood roots. Remember we talked about that in the Vision May series, that, that we're equipped to serve God. We get equipped by growing our roots down deep into the things of God, into Jesus Christ. But like the redwood tree, our roots also go out towards one another and we're intertwined. And part of our strength comes from knowing I'm a part of something. When I was at convention going, oh, this is so good, I'm a part of something big, it's us realizing that every day, man, we, we gotta take advantage of the community that God has given us around us. And some of us, we show up to church and that's our only taste of community throughout the whole week. And God's going, you know what, that's not really good enough. You really gotta start getting into other people's lives and letting them get in your life because it's a blessing. The whole body only functions the way it's supposed to if every part of the body is working together, doing its needs, right? Doesn't that make sense? Here's a human body. And if you've got all of these arms and limbs walking together and you're walking down the street and everything's going good and you're doing what you're supposed to do, but then suddenly you got one arm that's just kind of on its own, right? And you're like trying to walk and I'm, try I'm trying to teach a message and something's going on. I'm like, what's going on, right? Somebody's out of control, right? You can't have that. We're supposed to be a body. We all work together. We all work. Yeah, you serve a different purpose than you serve, but we're all in this thing together to make the body operate with full function. Does that make sense? I love that Paul gives us this illustration with the human body. I, um, I was talking to my wife about this. And she goes, oh, it's like the show I saw. I'm like, oh, what show was that? I was watching Discovery Health the other day, and there's this new show on called, what is it? Broken Minds. Has anybody seen this show called Broken Minds? Nobody? See, I thought my wife was lying, and this might <laughs> confirm it. <laughs> no, she told me about this, this show she saw, and what was on the show, I'm like, yeah, right. You weren't watching Discovery Health. You are watching Sci-Fi Channel. Or you are watching cartoons of the kids or something. Because I didn't believe this story. She said there was this, this story, and the, the premise of this show is broken minds. People that have mental dysfunction or, or uh, injury or whatever, so it causes their body to do things really different and rare and unique, and it's like almost unbelievable. And she goes, yeah, I was watching the show, and there was this guy on there, and he had alien hand syndrome. I'm like, alien hand syndrome. <laughs> oh boy, here we go, right? And I'm thinking sci-fi channel. Anybody ever heard of alien hand syndrome in here? You saw the show. Okay, confirmation, good. You guys can, I'll take your word for it. So I'm, I, I was listening to her, to her tell me this story about alien hand syndrome, right? I'm like, yeah, right. So of course, you got to go Google it, right? So I look it up and apparently it's a real syndrome. It's a real problem that people get. I looked it up on medicinenet.com. So it's legit, okay? <laughs> I hope. Uh, but here's the definition of alien hand syndrome. 
The feeling that one's hand is possessed by a force outside of one's control. Instantly, I'm going, yeah, right, that was sci-fi channel. It says the syndrome typically arises after trauma to the brain, after brain surgery, or after a stroke or an infection of the brain. A person with the alien hand syndrome can feel sensation in the affected hand, but thinks that the hand is not part of their body and that they have no control over its movement, that it belongs to an alien, right? This is just crazy, but it's real. It says um, different types of brain injuries cause different subtypes of alien hand syndrome. For example, it may be caused by an injury to the corpus callosum. Callosum? What is it? Any medical student? Callosum. Corpus callosum, which is the area of the brain which connects the two hemispheres or two halves of the brain. And so basically she said on this show, right? You guys saw the show. Somebody had, this man had a blood clot in the corpus callosum, right? I sound all good with that, right? If you say it three times fast, it sounds like a Harry Potter spell, right? Corpus callosum, corpus callosum. <laughs> but anyways, there's this uh, corpus callosum injury. And she was telling me that this guy that's dealing with this alien hand syndrome is to make matters worse, not only does he have one appendage that's not going under his control or whatever, but he's kind of an OCD neat freak. And so he'll make his desk up all nice and right angles and square and, you know, per perfectly distanced from the stapler to the, the paper to the eraser, right? You know one of those guys? Anybody like that in here? Don't raise your hand. That's embarrassing. But <laughs> there's people like that. So this guy has this thing, right? Everything has to be perfectly neat. The problem is lefty over here is not on the program. So righty lines everything up, and he's feeling good, and he's feeling like his life is in order, and lefty just pops up, right? Ah! Right? And whoosh, everything's off the desk. And this guy's like going, no! And he's going, yes! No, yes! You know? And so he's got to control this left arm, and he's got alien hand syndrome, right? And I'm just going, that would be so bad. You know, you're like brushing your teeth in the morning, all of a sudden, whack! What? Who did that? I did it! Oh, you know? But here's this guy that's got alien hand syndrome. And as I read this thing, you know what Paul's trying to say is? Don't be alien hand Christian. <laughs> Don't be the kind of Christian where the body of Christ around you is trying to be on board the same team. And let's go towards Jesus and let's make right decisions. And here's how you should manage your family. And here's how you should take care of your job. And this is what's right. And God's on our side. And you're going, nah, nah, I'm going to just alien hand it. I got this one. I'm going to go this way. You guys are telling me that, but I don't really need you. Paul's saying, you know what? You're connected and you can't escape the fact that you're connected. Yes, you are different. Yes, you have your own opinions. Yes, you can disagree on some stuff. But at the end of the day, you're operating with the body to go in the direction because the body is only any good. It's only good comes from the fact that the head is controlling the body, the mind. And scripture tells us that Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ. And so at the end of the day, yeah, you can kind of want to go your own direction. But you know what? Get in line with the community that God has put around you. So when he's speaking of spiritual gifts, yep, you're all different. You got different stuff, but you know what it's for? It's so that you can be a blessing to the rest of the body because we're all going in the same direction because we want to serve Jesus Christ. We want to win the world to Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. And so this is what Paul is challenging us to. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We're many parts, but we belong to each other. We are only as powerful as we can be when we are united. You can get some stuff done being one-handed. You ever had like a, 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 a foot in a cast or something or an arm in a sling or something? And it's like you want to do the normal stuff, but you can only operate at half function, half capacity, right? But when all members are working together, and this is what he's talking about, we all belong to each other. 
There's another place in Scripture, Ephesians 4, verses 2 to 7. It describes a picture of how we ought to act towards one another as body, as body. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body, one spirit. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. And then, so it's really, we get the picture, unity. There's one. But then in verse seven, he says, however, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And what he's saying is, you can be individualistic, you can have your own gifts and abilities, but when you come together in the body of Christ, the differences that you have from someone else actually balances someone else out better. And their differences will help balance you out better. And we all grow and become better people as our differences are celebrated in coming together in unity. Unity through diversity. It's a really cool thing that all of us together are so different, yet when we come together, all of us are blessed. And um, it's this picture that God is saying is each has a special gift, but we're all part of the same family. The other day, I got the privilege of going to see uh, Pastor Tom's new twins. Pastor Tom Landeza had, well, he didn't have, but Grace had twins. Uh, A couple, where are they even in the house tonight? I think they're outside. They're watching it. Hi, guys on camera. Tom and Grace. Everybody say hi to Tom and Grace. They're out there. We love you. So I got the privilege of going to their house the other day and seeing these two twins that I hadn't seen since they were in the incubator stage because they were born preemies, right? And they were like four pounds each. And I saw them again the other night and our family all went over there. Kids are 10 pounds each now. I'm like, whoa. And here's the deal. You've got Judah the boy and all of the girl and they're twins. They're not identical twins. They're twins. They're fraternal twins. I just learned that term and made sure that I grasped that this morning because I'm not real good at those kind of turns because it's a dad's life. I don't know these things. I'm a dad's, right? And I learned they're fraternal twins. So I, I, I first was holding Judah, the boy, and he's all boy. He's all cheeks, actually, all face. You got to go see him. He doesn't really have a chin. It's just kind of there somewhere. And he, but he's like just a big boy. I'm like, yeah, Judah. But he's all strong and stuff, and his hair is just going everywhere. I'm like, oh, this, he's all boy, right? And he's just like, rah, rah, and he's like kicking me and everything. And he's looking around everywhere, but not really focusing on anything like a normal guy, right? We're just kind of like, what? What's going on? But he's like punching, and I'm like, oh, Judah, you're all boy. And then I get to hold little Olive, and you know what? She's all girl. She's got the little rosebud lips, and she's all sweet. And, you know, she looks around, but she's focusing on stuff like women. They know, right? And she's like, she's like I'm holding her, and she's like. And I, I'm starting to, like, think, like, she's reading my mind right now, you know? Like, uh, anybody want to take Olive, you know? And then, she, of course, she's like, as a good woman that she is, little, little baby woman, She's emotional, Rah! so she yells louder than Judah does, you know, but there's, I'm looking at these two, and I'm holding them, and I'm like, it's so weird because they're twins, born from the same mom, born at the same exact time, and yet they're so completely different, and it's so cool to celebrate how different they are, and yet you can't escape the fact, they cannot escape the fact that they will be together forever simply by the fact that they're born of the same mom, they're in the same family, they can't get away from the fact that they are family for life joined by blood, right? They can move away, they can do whatever, but they're always gonna be family. They're always together. And that's how it is with the body of Christ, is that no matter how different you are, celebrate the differences. It's good that you're different, but remember that you're part of a community, that you're there to serve, and that you can bless them by being who you are, and they can bless you by being who they are, but we need this connection with one another in our lives. Our lives are better because we are connected. 
okay? And then look at the next part of Scripture as we're getting into it. In your notes, I wrote our caring covenant. So I believe that it's not just enough to realize that we're connected, but we need to realize that we're actually committed to one another in a pretty heavy way, that we actually have a covenant with one another. God in Scripture is very big on covenant. If you've ever noticed, if you've ever, anybody ever read the Bible? It's a good book. You should check it out. Anyone? Okay. From time to time, you might have noticed the word covenant. In the Old Testament alone, the word covenant is used over 300 times. God is big on covenant. You know what a covenant is? A covenant is a contract, a formal and binding agreement between two parties. And see, God is big on this because God's not big on lighthearted relationships, God's not big on, well, you know what, you can kind of serve me when you want to and do things my way, but whatever, kind of run your own deal, it's cool, you know, let's just kind of, as long as we know that we're, we both exist, that's good enough. God is not like that. God loves you so passionately, so intimately, he wants relationship with you and his people. And all throughout the Old Testament, God made covenant agreements with Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, the whole Israelite nation. Right? He's big on covenants that, hey, if we're going to have a relationship here in agreement, that I am promising to you, I will do all of this in your life. I will love you. I'll answer your prayers. I will lead you. I will bless you. I'll get you out of trouble when you're in trouble. What are you going to do for me? And he expects us to love him in return and to give our lives to him. And he asks us to, to do all of these things so that we're in this thing as a binding agreement. And so not, when we became Christians, not only do we have this covenant with God, but we also have a covenant with with the rest of God's kids with his body. You know that, that to understand this, you can read it properly in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, where someone asked Jesus himself, hey, Jesus, what's the biggest thing, the most important thing that I got to do to be a Christian? I want to be in this covenant, you know, this relationship with you. What's the main thing I got to do? And Jesus actually goes, you know what? There's actually two things. There's one thing. First of all, you need to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, strength, everything. You love God with everything. And okay, okay, I'll work on that. I can do that. What's the second one? The second one is just like it, and it's of equal importance. You hear me on that? That's what scripture says. It is equally important. It is not one and two. It is these are the two that you got to focus on. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. When we became Christians, we entered into this new covenant relationship with God, but with our family that says we're going to be devoted to God, but we're also going to be devoted to one another that we entered into a covenant. And if you d decide today, like, you know, well, I became a Christian and I love God, but I don't, you know, it's optional whether I love those other people. Nope, sorry. That's not what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is you care for other people. You're in their life. You let them into your life and you truly and honestly commit to and connect with those people. It's like marriage. Marriage isn't some kind of a thing where I got married 16 years ago to my beautiful wife and said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna love you when I feel like it. You know, I hope that's cool, and you can do the same, and you know, um, sometimes I'll love you, but sometimes I might love other women, but you know what, we'll make it work, it's good, as long as we have that, that's good enough, right? No way, right? It's a binding agreement, a covenant that I have with my wife, with God, before God and man and everybody has witnesses around me at my wedding, that she's it, and I focus on her, and I'm going to care for her, and I can't escape it, and we're not getting out, and there's times that we fight, although they're super rare because we're really holy, just kidding. <laughs> There's times that we fight and we get into it and we'll say a lot of stuff that we didn't mean to say and then we got to make up and that's kind of fun, you know, making up and making out, making up, one of those. But then you pray and, you know, the marriage is strengthened and all that. But in the midst of those fights, hear me on this one, no matter what kind of stuff that we say that can be dangerous, we have made agreements to say we are never going to throw around the word divorce. 
We're never even going to threaten to just break apart the covenant that who's going to separate what God has put together and that we have to live by that. And it's hard sometimes, right? You guys know married people. It's tough. But what God is saying is when you became a Christian, you entered into that kind of a covenant and commitment, not just with God, but with the body of Christ. And so when we're talking about spiritual gifts, it's so we can bless the body and that we have to treat one another with love and care and respect. In verse 15, if the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Okay, let me read that again to you because that may be the most important word that you hear today is that our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. That means God has created you specifically and uniquely who you are. When you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you get disappointed, shame on you. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make anything junk. God doesn't create and make anything that he didn't design to be exactly how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to look at yourself with all of the supposed faults or whatever that you have and go, thank you, God, for making me who I am. Help me and help me and show me to find the part that I play in this body because I'm a part that is of just as much value as the other person who I think is that much better than me. In, in the body of Christ, there are no inferior parts and there are no superior parts. That we're equal, that it's, it's harmony. It says in verse 18, but um, our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. No one is superior. No one is inferior. We all have a part to play. You know, a lot of times in like in church situations, you think, oh, well, there's the pastor. Oh, the pastor. Oh, there's the worship leader. Oh, those are the guys that just happen to play the part of being on stage and doing what they do. You guys realize, though, that we couldn't really have church if it wasn't for the guys that are behind the scenes running the cameras, running the sound, running the lights, teaching our kids in Sunday school, that are ushering, that are opening the parking lot, that are setting up all the other stuff. But some people, it seems like, oh, but they're on stage, so they're better. No, no, that's not what we learn here in Scripture, is that every part has a part to play, but, but none of us are superior and none of us are inferior. We all have a part to play. It's just figuring out what that part is. Um, some of the, the greatest people that have the most spiritual power going for them and can change and affect the body of Christ are the people that you'll never see, the people whose names you'll never know, the people that are the prayer warriors in our church, that are back there invoking the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives so that when I get up here to do my little thing and talking to you guys, they are saying, God, speak to them. God, work through Carl's words, work through your scripture, change people's lives, bring them to you, change the community because of them. Those people, to me, are the unsung heroes. They're the powerful ones. I may get a little FaceTime up here on the big screen, and that's embarrassing, but those are the people that are moving in the heavenly realms that are asking for God to bless. So don't ever let us get into the point of going, well, I'm just this, and I don't do that much. God's saying, no, we all play equal parts in this thing called the body of Christ, and we need to know that. And it says in verse 22, as we're in this covenant with one another, in fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important, are actually the most necessary. You realize that, that if you guys aren't doing your part and coming to church and inviting your friends to church, then I have no one to preach at. You guys understand that? It may look like, oh, Carl, you're the one on the, up there and you're giving the message. But if you're not here and if you're not bringing your friends, 
then my message is just going to be to Jesus himself, right? Audience of one. Hey, good, Carl, thanks. <laughs> good job, you know? But you guys have a part. We all have a part to play. It says in verse uh, 23, the parts we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to the parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony. This is a key word in this passage. Harmony means no division, no splits, no one thinking they're different or better. We're all in this in unity. Harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. I have found in my life that sometimes the quietest people in my life are the best listeners and they pray the best prayers over me. The quietest people who you don't have long conversations with, sometimes I just need to talk and vent and they're the greatest listeners and they pray the biggest prayers in my life. And sometimes we think, oh, there's, I don't even know that person. They don't do much. No, they do a lot just because we can't see all the time. We're all in this thing together. Um, there's a verse in Romans 12, 15 and 16 that says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And then one of the greatest lines in scripture, and don't think you know it all. <laughs> That's so good. So short and sweet, don't think you know it all. But it's saying, be happy with those who are happy. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn and suffer with those who are mourning and suffering. That's what it's like to have a caring covenant with other people, to really be committed and devoted to other people. See, I know that the real friends in my life are the ones that they hurt when I hurt and that they rejoice when I rejoice. And my friend called me a few years back because he was going through something heavy. I was up here at church and he called me and he goes, hey, Carl, I got to talk to you. And I went, uh-oh, could tell in his voice already he was hurting bad. My wife just left me. She said she doesn't love me anymore. She doesn't want anything to do with me. She just wants the divorce paper signed. She's a Christian. I'm a Christian. But she doesn't even want to try for counseling. She doesn't want anything. She just wants done over. There's nothing I can do. And I'm just like, my heart just dropped. And I didn't try to like look up in scripture real quick, any cr really cool Christian cliches or any verses. Oh, God works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. You know what? Uh, let me just counsel you. Let me do. No, you know what I did? I'll be right over. So I went over there and sat in silence with my friend for a couple hours and wept with him as he wept. And I hurt with him because he hurt, because it hurts me, because I'm connected to him, because we're friends. We're really being the body of Christ. And there's times in my life when I've gone through loss and tragedy and deaths in the family and friendships and stuff like that and the real friends are the ones that don't try to give you any advice and talk you up and cheer you up they just come along and go you're hurting and that hurts me and i'm hurting i'm just going to hurt with you and we're going to get this thing through this thing together and we're going to pray and on the other side of it the flip side the real friends that that are real in your life they rejoice when you rejoice because we all know that there's some some of our friends who are having a bad day something good happens to you and they go oh well good for you but when's the good stuff going to happen to me and it's like, what, you know? But the real friends are the ones that go, something good happens to you, no matter what my life looks like right now, I'm genuinely happy for you because I love you and I'm walking through life together because I'm connected. I made a covenant to you that I'm gonna care for you and support you no matter what, the good or the bad. My wife, when we got married, had a friend that came and talked to her and we're, we're all newly married, newlyweds, we're all excited, like, oh, God is so good, we love each other and everything is awesome, you know? And she comes and she goes, oh, congratulations, but get ready for it, it's coming, She's like, what? First two years of marriage, those are the worst. You're going to fight. You're going to feel like leaving. You're going to da 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 And I just told Kanani, that is not our friend anymore. Sorry. We do not need people like that in our life. That is not what the body of Christ is called to do for one another. We're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice. 
I may be in the pit in my own life, but I'm going to be happy for my friends if God is in this season of blessing in their life. Because what happens next is I'm going to be in the season of blessing and I want them to rejoice with me as well. And so we've got to be real and be in a, in a covenant relationship with one another. Be real and transparent. I thank God so much for what this church does called mini church. Mini church in my life has been this in my life. When I'm hurting, when I'm going through stuff, I know that I can't go and tell the whole church or whatever, but there's my group, there's my crew, that they know me and they pray for me week in and week out and I get to share my heart and they embrace me and they make me feel like I'm in community and I'm not alone in this life. Isn't that what anybody needs? Is just to know you're not alone, that someone cares. Mini church, man, that's so amazing. And the same thing, it's, there's days when I'm going through good stuff, someone shows up to mini church and they're struggling and we get to stop all of mini church. Okay, we're not gonna talk about the sermon right now. We're gonna all lay hands and pray for this person right now because we love them and we care for them and we're gonna do what they need something. Well, we're gonna give towards that. We're gonna be generous towards it. We're gonna do whatever it takes, but that's the beauty of mini church. That's why, oh, why do you guys talk about it so much? Because it changes your life in a real way and it keeps you connected and it gives you people in your life to walk through life with. Get in mini church, okay? There's my plug. It's real, man. It is, it is saved my life. It is so good, but this is the kind of Christians we're called to be. And then finally, the third point is we have an actual righteous responsibility to do something towards one another. And what that thing is to do is that God has given us spiritual gifts and we have a responsibility to use them on others because the gifts are not for us alone. The gifts are so, when God says, hey, I've got spiritual gifts for you, do you want them? That we'd say, yes, I want them. I need them. I want anything that you have to make life better. Good, because they're not just for you, Carl. They're so that you can practice on other people and you can change lives through the gift of teaching, through the gift of generosity, through words of wisdom, through prophecy, through healing, through hospitality, through administration, through leadership. The Bible lists about 20 of them, but there's more. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just saying, for instance, here's some of these. And we're told to use what God has given us. Look at verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has anointed, appointed for the church. And Pastor Rob listed these last week. Apostles, prophets, teachers, those who do miracles, those with a gift of healing, those with gifts of helps, gifts of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages, like gift of tongues. Um, uh, and then it asks us this in verse 29. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets or teachers or power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the, the gift of tongues? Do we all have the ability to interpret tongues? Of course not. But he says, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. He's basically telling us, do we all have the same gifts? No, they're all different. But we as a body, as a people, as Christians, should always be eagerly desiring more spiritual gifts because it's a blessing to the body. You guys understand that? Like we should get excited about that. That if God is, is passing out free stuff, don't you want the free stuff? Right? I mean, how many of you guys, oh, a Christmas day, walk down and you go, oh, presents? Ah, oh, not again. Stupid presents. I don't want that. Right? We're just like, yeah, Christmas. You know, you can't get there soon enough. We need to learn to be excited to receive spiritual gifts. Write that down in your notes. Get excited about receiving spiritual gifts because these are supernatural gifts, not stuff that you're born with. But God gives you, and like me, like I never thought I would be a teacher. I never liked to get in front of people. I never wanted to give speeches, any of that stuff. Somewhere along the line, God goes, here's your spiritual gift, Carl, teaching. You better use it to the best of your ability. You have responsibility. I didn't give you that gift, so you'd waste it. There's people in our lives, listen, this is for all of us. There's people in all of our lives that are waiting for us to use our spiritual gifts on them. 
There's people that we know that are going, my life could be so much better. I just, I know God has something for me. And God's going, yeah, I gave it to Carl to use in your life. And I go, no, I don't want that one. I'm robbing God's people from the blessing that God intended because he said, I'm the vehicle, I'm the vessel that is supposed to bless other people. And by me going, nah, I don't really want spiritual gifts. That's weird, that's, that's strange. I'm, I'm good, I'm a good enough Christian. We're ripping people off. We should be excited. You guys, are you guys excited to receive spiritual gifts from God? I don't think you're that excited. This is what the kind of excitement level I'm talking about. You ever watch Extreme Home Makeover? And you saw when someone's dumpy old house, they get picked to get the extreme home makeover. And what's his name? Little spiky hair, Ty Pennington guy. Hey, we've chosen to remodel your house, right? And the people are like, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't think you do. Let me show you a clip of what I'm talking about. I want you to really get this because we need to be excited about free gifts that God gives us, right? Watch this, get, watch this uh, video real quick. Watch this clip. <clears throat> in my knees, I think I fell flat on my stomach. <laughs> See, that's the excitement level I'm talking about here. Just so you guys know, she didn't get hurt, okay? She caught herself. She landed on her stomach. She didn't blast her face. I don't need emails from you guys going, that was so mean, Pastor. How dare you? You offended me this week. You're laughing at a woman that got hurt. She didn't get hurt, okay? Just to clear it up. But here's what I want you to catch. Did you see how excited that family was? When they got something free that was going to bless their life, they're like, yeah, just jackrabbiting out of that door. Mom just comes, can't even control ah! Down she goes. She is fired up. But we, when God is saying, hey, by the way, um, every Christian, I'm passing out free spiritual gifts. Do you guys want them? Uh, no, nah, I don't know, God. I'm, I'm all right. You know, it's good to know you. No, we got to be like, what? You mean I could have that gift of like praying for someone to be healed? I heard a story yesterday. Someone came and told me this, that they're having a Sunday school meeting with all the Sunday school leaders and worship teams and, and whatnot. And someone walked in with a bandaged hand that whatever had, had injury and they had burned it and it's sore and they're throbbing. And they came in and said, oh, does anybody got aspirin? This is killing me. I'm at this meeting, but can somebody give me aspirin? And a 14-year-old bass player for God's Rock, I don't even know who this is. I just heard this story this morning. 14-year-old bass player comes along, hey, can I just pray for it? Prayed for the hand, instantly healed. The, the pain went away by the end of the day, bandage off next day. Oh, thanks. God is awesome. How amazing is that? And God's going, you want that gift to do that for other people? Nah, I'm all right. I'm cool, right? We ought to be like, woo, out of the house. Yeah, God, just pushing people out of the way, first in line. Give me the gifts. I want that. I want to bless people's lives. 
Give me whatever it takes that, that someone's going through a hard time and you don't know what to say and you pray and suddenly God goes, gift of wisdom, gift of prophecy and you speak into their life and they're just like, oh, thank you, I needed that. And you're like, what did I just say? That's crazy, right? That's God, that's a gift. We should be excited to receive those kind of gifts, you know? We gotta be excited, but not only excited to receive them, you gotta be excited to use them. That God has given us a responsibility that says, Seek after those gifts. What, what does it say in the end of that verse? You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, whatever they are. And some of us are like, I want gift of healing, or I want this gift of this, I want gift of that. doesn't matter. You should just want whatever he has for you. The reason why is in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, last week, it said, it is the one and only Holy Spirit who decides which gifts he gives to whichever people. So you may be praying for healing, and instead he gives you some other gift, and you're like, oh, no, I don't want that one. No, you're just going to take whatever he gives you because it's going to be the most helpful for where you're at at that situation in life. Eagerly desire whatever is most helpful to you at that position in life. Some other person over here may get this gift and you got this gift. Why is it different? Because God says what's going to help you the most in your situation at work or your family or school or whatever is this gift. So embrace this one, take it, but use it, practice it, get good at it, know what you're good at. It's not pride because it's not you anyway. It's his Holy Spirit working through you, so you just want to be a better vessel. God, I want to do this better. I want to do it with confidence and enthusiasm and boldness. Seek, earnestly be seeking and asking and praying, God, what are my, what are my spiritual gifts? Because do you know how good it feels when you can bless someone else with a spiritual gift? See, like I said, I, I never wanted the gift of teaching. God gave it to me. You know how good it feels afterwards to hear people write letters and notes and stuff? Thank you for using the gift God gave you. You changed my life, those words. And I realize it doesn't go to my head because it's not a gift that I was born with. I realize that it's a spiritual gift God gave me, and I'm just using it. And as I begin to understand that gift and embrace it and practice it, I get to see the benefits of it, and I'm excited. It feels good when you can bless someone else when God uses you, doesn't it? Amen. Some of you guys will never know how good that feels unless you start seeking those gifts in your own life. Some of you guys are going, oh, that sounds cool. It's never happened to me. The reason it's never happened is because you're not earnestly desiring and seeking and asking God, give me those gifts. And when you do, and when he does, you've got to use them to your best ability. So be looking for them. Try different things out and just try and figure out who you are. I always tease my friend Bojan Matsumoto, one of my closest friends, but I always tease him of that story that um, he's trying to figure out his gifts. He's trying to serve God, right? And the, the story I've told you guys, we went to Japan. Trevor's leading worship one day in the church. There's only like six of us seated around. It's a small little worship setting. And he's, Trevor's playing guitar, and it's real intimate, and he's singing really, you know, some of the slow songs that really just get you and like, oh, get your heart into worship. And we're just sitting around, and my friend Bojan's there, and he, he goes, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll play that cajon thing, you know, the square box that you sit on, the drum? Oh, I'll play that, I'll add to worship. I'm like, cool, that, that's good, man, that's, that's good of you to help. So he comes in, and Trevor's playing the super like, I'm coming back to the heart, of, or whatever, you know, he's playing the, the good slow ones. And in comes Bo. Boom, boom, And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, I'm like trying to worship. I'm like, ah, 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 it's, it's hurting my ears, you know? And at the end of the song, I said, hey, Bo, thank you so much for stepping up and helping out with worship, but that's not your gift. <laughs> Sorry. The drums is just not your gift, buddy. And he's like, oh, right? I'm like, I'm sorry, but keep looking. Keep so earnestly desire the more helpful gifts. That wasn't so helpful today, right? But I joke with him all the time, but in reality, I love that guy. You know why? Because he is seeking the gifts. He's over there going, I could drum. Well, I'm not good at that, whatever. He went on a mission trip. He's looking, maybe God's got some gifts for me, missionary work. 
Oh, maybe I got the gift of evangelism. He's always bringing people to church. Maybe I got the gift of helps. He's always helping anywhere in ministry around this church. He's on the men's core team, the leadership team. He's trying that. He's on stage. He gave announcements with my wife on Friday nights before. He gave testimony. But he's trying everything out. You guys see what I'm trying to say here? Earnestly seek and desire the spiritual gifts that God has for you because when you receive them, you better use them because you're gonna bless people. You're gonna bless people like crazy and there's no better feeling than God using you to bless other people. Romans 12, 6 through 11 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. If God's given you the ability to prophesy, then you better do it. It says, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, then you better serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. I look at that pile of food out there for the Hawaii Food Bank, and I think, oh, we got to do better than that, guys. There's people that are hurting, that are hungry. There's no reason why anyone should go hungry in the state of Hawaii. And if it's up to us that we're taking a food drive, we better exercise a gift of generosity. We're a generous church. We better go out there, clean our pantries, go load up at Costco, whatever. If, you're, if you've been gifted with a lot of finances, use it for the betterment of the kingdom of God. Go fill that pile out there with food. That's just an example. But what it's saying is whatever ability that you have or that God's given you, use it and do it as good as you can. Um, if God's given you leadership ability, take, it, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Amen. If you're here in the body of Christ and you realize that you're part of a community and a family and God goes, hey, I got gifts for you to share with the rest of the family and you're not sharing them, you're just pretending to love other people because God's going, I've equipped you to love people better and you're going, nah, no thanks. We're not, we're just pretending to love people. Don't pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Know your gifts and use them with enthusiasm. Know what God has given you and understand that and use it to the best of your ability. The reason is, because there's someone in your life right now, whether in this church or in mini church or just in your family or wherever, there's someone in your life that needs you to use your gifts on them right now. God has created us to have these gifts so that we can give them away. And if we're, we don't know what they are, if we haven't discovered them or we know them, but we're just like, oh, we're uncomfortable, I don't want to use them, then we're robbing someone of a blessing because God is using us to bless people around us. There's someone in your life right now that could be blessed if you would use your spiritual gift on them. So are you guys going to get excited about receiving spiritual gifts? Yeah. Are you, are you going to pray? Are you going to seek? Are you going to go, God, I want them. You know what we're going to do? We're going to pray right now for God to reveal more of his gifts to us. We're just going to ask because that's all God tells us to do. Just ask. We're going to end with this right now. Let's bow our heads and pray and put your arms out in front of you, your hands out, just as you're receiving a physical gift, just symbolically. And here we go. Father God, we just ask for more of your Holy Spirit's gifts in our life, plain and simple. You promised them. You said that we get them. You said that we could have them. You say for us to seek and to earnestly desire. So Lord, every one of us right now from pure hearts, clean, pure hearts after you, wanting to bless one another, Lord, we are asking, give us gifts. Show us what our spiritual gifts are. Show us what it is that you've uniquely designed each and every one of us to have. It's gonna be different from the person sitting next to us. Lord, right now we begin, we ask that you would begin the process of revealing to us what our spiritual gifts are. And that Lord, as we discover them, that we'd begin to use them on the rest of the body of Christ around us so that we could be a blessing. Lord, we are inescapably connected to one another 
and we are called upon to have a caring covenant of blessing one another. And Lord, the tools you've given us are the spiritual gifts. So Lord, show us what our spiritual gifts are. Lord, in my personal life, I understand that I have gifts of of administration, of leadership, of teaching ability. And Lord, there's times when other gifts have shown up, gifts of healing and prophecy in my life. And Lord, I can never ask for enough. And so right now as a church, Lord, we're asking for more and more and more of your spiritual gifts in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, begin to reveal to us what those gifts are and help us to use them. And now a little bit different prayer as we're praying right now. If you've come to church this morning and you want to connect with God and you feel like this is a good time, God is speaking to you and you want to join the family, join the team, know the goodness of God and understand the gifts that he's given you and be a blessing to this world and have your own life changed in the process. You're willing to basically say, I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. If that's you and you want to pray that prayer right now for the first time, I would love to pray that prayer with you. It's my privilege and honor to lead you in that prayer. And I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to say some words out loud. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that would just make God the Lord of your life, that you would just kind of verbalize and surrender um, just what you need to do to make things right with God. How we're going to do it is I'm going to pray the words out loud. I'm just going to ask that you would pray them in your heart because I don't want to embarrass you in front of everybody in this room right now, but I'm going to ask that you would pray it in your heart to God, the words that I'm saying out loud. And I'm going to ask for one thing. People seated around you have their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and join the family of God and experience all the blessings and gifts that he has for you, and you want to say this prayer with me, I want you to let me know. I'm going to count to three in a minute here. And when I say three, I'm just going to ask that you would shoot your hand straight up in the air and hold it there until I acknowledge that that you raise your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying with because I'm stoked to pray with you this morning. But if you want to pray this prayer with me on the count of three, lift your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Anybody in the house, keep them up. I see one hand right over here. Thank you, Lord. I'm looking around. Anybody? I see two. see two people in the house. Anybody else? It's the best decision you will ever make. Thank you, God, for those hands. Lord, for those couple people that are there there right now, Lord, I thank you for them. And if that's you, go ahead and put your hand down and just pray this prayer with your heart right now, what I'm going to say out loud. God, I'm here today, Lord, and I love you. I'm learning that you have a plan for me, that you care about me, and that you love me unconditionally that all you're waiting for is for me to say yes to you to start the process of working in my life. So Lord, that's what I'm doing right now as I just raise my hand, as I'm praying in my heart, is God, I'm saying yes to you. I want all that you have for me. Lord, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace, Lord, your transforming power in my life. I want all the gifts that are available. Lord, I believe that your son Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for my sins 2,000 years ago. That he went to that cross and he was an innocent man, but he bore all of my guilt and shame and all the other people that would call upon his name. Lord, Jesus went to the cross to put that stuff to death. If I would believe in him, and Lord, that's what I'm telling you right now, I believe in Jesus, I believe in what you did for me, and I accept that payment of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And Lord, I also believe that on the third day, that your son Jesus was resurrected. He came off the cross, he came out of the grave, and he was alive again in person. Lord, he conquered death and sin and shame and guilt for me, for my sake. So Lord, I embrace that as well. And Lord, I accept all that you have for me from this day forward. I choose to follow you. Lord, I promise to do all that it takes to become a Christian. And it's more than just a simple prayer. I promise, Lord, to live out my faith every single day. Lord, I promise to read my Bible, to know you, the greatest love story ever written, to know your love for me. Lord, I promise to know that Bible, to read it. Lord, I promise to get involved in a church 
in this church, Father God, if that's where you lead me, Lord, uh, the body of Christ, that they would surround me and, and, and partner with me and love me and challenge me and just encourage me. Lord, I promise to learn to pray and talk to you, give you everything that's on my heart that you could bless me and empower me. Lord, I promise to get water baptized as a symbol of, of changing over my, my new life for you. Lord, I promise to receive the, all the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, Lord. Everything that you got for me, I want it, I need it, I need help. Lord, all that you have for me, I'm saying yes to you right now. I will follow you all the days of my life into eternity. Thank you for being my, my God right now, for dying on that cross, for saving me from my sins, and for promising to make my life better as I follow you. Thank you, in Jesus' mighty name, the whole church said amen. And we praise God for two people in our family this morning. Amen. If you ask Jesus into your heart this morning, we want to get you a Bible. You made the best decision ever.